Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Power Your Life. And many of us are thinking about, well, we want to start a business or we have a business, and yet what do we need to do? What are some of the important steps, and how do we grow our businesses in a sustainable way? What is conscious business growth? And can you be thriving in your own business? What are some of the secrets to help you thrive and enjoy your business and and get it out there to people who need your services? Well, today I am joined by three wonderful experts and best-selling authors, Ro Couture, DeSaro, Diane Mativier, and Joyce Saggy, and we are going to talk about conscious business growth and the keys to achieve it. Ro Couture DeSario is a passionate, energetic speaker who is the go-to expert for women on how to take soulful, gutsy action so they can create a business from their passion and live on their own terms. She's also a three-times best-selling author who broke through glass ceilings on Wall Street before becoming dedicated to helping more women become gutsy gals. And Diane Mativier wants every woman to become actively engaged in her financial affairs and become financially confident. With over 15 years of experience, Diane is a seasoned professional with a hands-on approach to financial guidance and financial success. Joyce Saggy is the CEO and entrepreneur behind Disaster and Risk Associates, or DARA, and DARA's mission is to engage, educate, and empower individuals, businesses, and communities globally to prepare before disaster strikes to minimize losses, reduce recovery time, eliminate, eliminate chaos, and reduce risk. Welcome, everyone. How are you? Thank Hello? you. I'm doing great. <laughs> okay, great. Wonderful. Now, Hello, we have a few. Good morning. And I am also in this wonderful book that we co created, Keys to Conscious Business Growth, which is a teaching guide. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. So, firstly, what are the first questions? And I just want to let everybody know that we do have a couple of people who want to ask questions. And in a little bit, I don't want to keep them on forever. In a little bit, I'll unmute them so that we can answer and and respond to their needs. Each of us had to think about what it means to have conscious business growth and to be conscious in growing our business. So, Diane, would you like to to start off and say and and telling us about what that means to you? Sure, thank you. Um I think as far as being conscious for me, it's just um, being very aware of how I'm interacting with the people who I'm helping. Um, I also um, bring a, a lot of authenticity to um, my interactions and, you know, warmth and helping people make sure that they're feeling guided and feeling comfortable along the process because, you know, finances can be a little scary subject for people, and I want them to know that um, I do care about the clients that I work with, and um, I think it's important that they feel that when we're we're working together. So for me it's really about, you know, um being authentic, being genuine, um also being of, you know, high integrity and um and ethics as I'm, you know, conducting my business during the course of my day. Wonderful. And I think that, you know, I think authenticity and integrity are are really incredibly important when you're working with anybody in any kind of relationship. Joyce, what about you? Hi, first of all, good morning, everybody, and uh, Dr. White, thank you for this opportunity. Um, You know, when I started writing the book, my chapter changed a lot, and I learned more about, I think, about what it is with values. I mean, we talk about being conscious. There's an actual paradigm shift going on, I believe, universally. 
uh, you know, globally people are looking at what do we do as far as people and how we relate to them in our communities. I think you need to go back to, uh, you know, to Diane's point and to all of our points, right? Consciousness being aware. And it's about being aware of who you are and knowing who you are and what those values and ethics and integrity is that you bring to the table. And it's not as much about as a business, but just overall, I think we need to realize who people are and we need to deal with our communities differently. And more importantly, in business, we need to go back to the ethics, the integrity, and listening to what the employees are saying, because to me, that's most important. That's where your changes are taking place on a grassroots level. You know, I, I, Agree, and I think it's not just the employees that you need to listen to, but also to your customers. There are savvy customers out there, and they they want value for what they're buying in terms of services or products, so that's important. Thank you. And, Ro, what about you? What's conscious business growth to you? Ro? What's conscious business growth to you? Did I lose her? Ro, are you there? Okay, we'll have to come back to that. I don't know if she got disconnected or what. Um, Is Ro there? Hello, you're on the air? Okay. Hello, Ro, you're on the air? Can you hear me? Yes. Did you hear can my you hear question? Me? Yes. Can yes, you hear I me? Did. You couldn't. Okay. I can hear you. So what, sorry about that. You... What does conscious business growth mean to you? Okay. To me, it. I have to, you know, piggyback on what everyone else said, but I would like to take it even a step further because today, to me, whether you're a solopreneur or whether you have a large corporation, it's not just about you and your values and, and how you align and your authenticity with all that, but it's how and how you're making an impact with your customers and how you're making an impact, but how you make an impact with the whole world. And are you aware and giving back, like your talents and gifts, how are you incorporating that so that everyone is really benefiting it from it and you could collaborate with others with their gifts and values and be conscious on how you, the two or more, can actually come together and make life even better. So it's, it's also about, and even a part of our business of giving back to charities, for example, you know, being conscious on what, you know, if we're having profits, then we have a moral obligation to take some of those profits and do good with it. So it's about moral leadership and as well as authentic leadership. You know, I totally agree, too, and I think that that many people, many consumers and customers buy, I know I do, I buy products from companies that are giving back to to their local communities because I think that like what you said and what Joyce said and what and what Diane said, bro, that it that it really makes a difference. So if we were and and anybody could pipe into this for a minute, if we were to ask our customers what they what they thought was important in terms of your particular business and in terms of conscious business growth what do you th- what do you think their answer would be anybody want to go with this first well for I'll me go first. i know okay go ahead, go ahead. Ro. okay um for me i look at are these companies in aligned with my values and my mission so i I personally cannot do business with a company that's showing values that totally, you know, would turn me off, for example. So to me, what is their values, what is their mission, and does it have to be in alignment with me? So, for example, you know, if it's a skincare company and I'm, I'm into organic and natural skincare, obviously that's going to be important to me. Right. Like I decide the same thing. I won't buy products that really use a lot of testing on animals, and and so I think that that's important. Okay. Um, Who's next? Joyce, Diane? Go ahead, Di. Okay. Um, I I thought you um, had asked what the clients that we are working with are looking for. Did I misinterpret that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
with my particular um, line of business, what my clients are coming, they're looking for, they're looking for, looking for guidance. They're looking for education. They're looking for um, non-judgmental help. You know, not making them feel bad where they are right now, but just being there to start wherever they are, good or bad, and helping them to move forward into a more positive, um, you know, picture for themselves and their family. Um, providing them some security. Um, they also look for, you know, honesty, integrity, and value. So, you know, those are things I would expect as well if I was, you know, coming to someone like myself, someone who truly cares about, you know, my situation, my family, and is looking for my best interest and is going to be guiding me in the best way possible. So that way I feel confident that the decisions that I'm making and the choices I'm making are going to truly be in the best interest of my client, of my family. Good. I think that's important. Anybody else? Absolutely. I think this is Joyce. Um, you know, when you're Good talking Joyce. about being value-driven, value I think it's about going back, again, to the basics in the community. How were we raised? What got us through the Depression? I mean, one of the questions that I ask in the book is if you had 60 seconds to get out of your home, out of your business, out of your school, out of your hospital, wherever you're at, are you able to know where you're going who are you going to meet? How are you going to meet your loved ones? Who's taking care of your animals? Again, I deal with disaster preparedness. And after Sandy, I'm going to tell you, the monies are not making their way into the community. And the reason that that's happening is because we're not conscious about it. We're not talking about businesses. Look, a lot of major corporations, even here in New Jersey, are being given subsidies, millions of dollars. To me, you need to give part of that subsidy back to your community that you're in. If, if, if businesses, large corporations, and businesses like myself and, and most of us give back to the community, um, it can make a difference. And it's about getting the right people at the table, and it is about people that are, are conscious. We need to deal with our interfaith groups. We need to bring people together. Every life matters, and we're not really looking at that. We need to go back to our values. The only thing that got us through the Depression was community, was grassroots. It was value, ethics, talents, time, resources that we had and pulling them together. We know what's right. We just need to start doing it. So in, a, in, um, in accordance with what you're talking about, Joyce, and everyone else, is there a way to hold businesses in, in your community more accountable so that if they're getting all these funds, and, and this can go out to any one of us, they're getting all, all these funds and subsidies, I mean, what, why aren't they giving back to the community, and what do we or could we do to make sure that that's happening? It's the dialogue. Oh, do you want to talk about that, Diane, whomever, Joyce? Hi, it's Joyce, yeah. I, I mean, I think we've already started the dialogue, and having this conversation that we're having today is important. If businesses gave back 10%, and if we held the nonprofits that are getting all of this money accountable – Look, as a small woman business owner, when I tried to attempt to help the folks in New Jersey with Sandy, the monies were going to nonprofits. Because I was a woman-owned business, there wasn't monies available to help the Sandy recovery in the communities. And, I, and to me, that's sad. We have to bring everybody together, profit, nonprofit, private, public, municipalities. Everybody has to have a seat at the table, and it's got to be people that really care about the end result, which is rebuilding our communities. You know, community is so very important, and yet it's not always the easiest thing to do. So so let's talk about that for a minute. How do you build a community in your business if you if you need to build a community? I know that, Diane, you, you're working more with finances, but do you create groups for, for women because those are the people that you're primarily working with in finances? Do you, do you coach women? just privately or in groups, or how would you build a community for for your particular business? I think for mine, the way that I, my intention of building community is through education. So I do that through workshops that um, I offer for people to come together to learn more, to enrich their knowledge in the areas that um, I deal with. And um, you know, there's various topics that I that I utilize, but I think that that builds a community because I think it builds a forum for people that they can come in a um, a nurturing learning environment. Um, they can feel free to address questions that they may have and feel safe in doing it, and 
basically lifting up their um, their comfort level, lifting up their um, the kind of empowering them and helping to start breaking down some of those walls that have been built up of people trying to avoid the topic or being afraid of it. And that's really my intention. So I'm looking to not only do that locally, but to have as much of a widespread impact on the education um, arena as I possibly can. You know, education, thank you. Education is really very important because some people are just in the dark about resources, how to access, whether it's finances or how to access different community information or products or whatever. So so being able to educate people and teach them how to have a voice is is really important. And speaking of voice, when we're talking to Roe, you do a lot with setting boundaries for, and, and that's a little bit about what your chapter is about. Why are boundaries? We're talking about being creating a community, but so why are boundaries are important? Why are they important, and how does how do they fit into this discussion? Okay, boundaries fit in because well, let's first look at the definition of boundaries because boundaries is about what is okay and what isn't okay. So what is acceptable, what isn't acceptable, right? And so I look at boundaries as more of like your self-care for your business. And if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your customers, you can't take care of, you know, everything else. So it's you respect yourself and maintain those boundaries of what's important to you and you show that to your customers and clients and they're going to respect you and back in return. Uh, So that's why boundaries are very important. So boundaries could come in terms of, from a business standpoint, there could be time boundaries, but it could also be what I call money boundaries, where you're sticking to your grounds of what, you know, what you're pricing, um, what you're worth, you know, what is the value of what you're bringing to the table. And when we come forth with strong values and strong of like, yeah, this, what I have is valuable and you are going to get great service by working with me, it will alleviate the people that are coming and trying to take advantage of you by saying, well, I want a discount, you know, I want a lower price, and they they try to, you know, to test you and to see, you know, what they can get from you. And that's unfortunate that people do that, but that is the way of the world. So boundaries is important in order for us to be more productive as business owners and in order for us to have more freedom in our business, but then ultimately and also to sustain our profitability as well. So, you know, it's kind of like a secret weapon that I found and realized that if we keep strong boundaries, everything else falls into place. You know, it's also important that people think, well, if I have a particular price and and other people are trying to negotiate that, that I have to cater to that. But keeping integrity with yourself and your own values also helps with the integrity in the community. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Joyce, you you are a community integration specialist and you work a lot with disaster and help people in in preparation for that. But what what does it mean to be a community integration specialist? Thank you. Um well, you know what, Joanne, I think I think we're all community integration specialists. We're just not using it. Our part right. of networking and the people that we have, we're not using them as resources. You know, it's a really is about your time, your talent and your resources that you're bringing to the table. We're in an asset-based community now. If you don't look at the assets that are available, the resources that you have, you know, for example, when there is a disaster, there are 75 different forms that you need to fill out, and most of them are all the same. Until we're able to bridge the gap and find a way that it's accessible not only to the people, you can't go to a website if you don't have electricity, number one. How are we getting into those communities? And it's about being asset-based. We have a network. We have people that we can integrate and we can reach out to to make these things happen in advance. You know, since 9-11, and, you know, that was one of the biggest disasters that hit our area. It was 9-11, and everybody remembers it. And then on the heels of that, we had Sandy. And the thing is, is that we're not doing anything any differently, and we're not doing it any better. We need to get back into the community. We need to integrate and come together and talk about how to get those resources out. If you make those plans in advance, we're not part of the emergency plan. I'm sorry to inform everyone. So it's going to happen again. The monies are going to go the same way. We need to change that. And it is about integrity and value and ethics. If people are going to continue to take the money and use it for administrative purposes, look, if we ask companies 
to give 10% back to the community. And we asked nonprofits to only take 10% for their administrative and give the 90% to the community. That's 100% recovery that we can have and assets that are available. In New Jersey alone, there's over $500 billion, B, with a billion, that is not being accessed that was there for federal funding from FEMA. And we're not accessing it, but what we're saying is we have a bankrupt transportation fund. What about the $5 billion? Is anybody interested in recovering that for our local communities? So, again, it goes back to your integrity, your ethics, your value, and being a community. How do we integrate our resources? We have plenty of resources. We're just not using them, and they're being spread out. Let's come to the table in a small, start at a grassroots level, and have it grow out. It's like a ripple. You know, you throw the, you throw the pebble into the water, and the ripples are going to go out. We need to do it that way. We're trying to do it the other way by, by bringing the ocean to us. You need to, to make it happen from within you first and then let it spread. Thank you. You know, if you start at a grassroots level, which is really important, I believe in that, then at some point you have to be able to access the departments, the the governmental agencies and whatever that that are the ones that are dispersing funds and making those decisions and and create a loud enough voice in your community to be able to to awaken them up to what the needs of, of each community is and, and, and how you know and how they can best serve them. So thanks for that. Diane, I wanted to ask you a question about how can we be fearless about our finances? I know everybody get you know, when it's about the bottom line with our finances or whatever, figuring out what's in our bank accounts and what are we doing for business and whatever, people get a little bit nervous and so how can we be fearless? Well, um my chapter is that's what my chapter is about, being fearless with your finances. And I'd I like to say um, where I came from was a background of a really wonderful upbringing and all the great things that you have in a childhood. But what would happen is that we never talked about money. So as I entered my original, my first career of physical therapy and then on to my, my secondary career in this career, or before I came into this career, obviously, I basically didn't have much knowledge about how to handle money. I knew how to make money. I was good at what I was doing, but I didn't know how to grow and um, create wealth. So when people would talk about that, I felt uncomfortable. I didn't really feel very good about that. felt very, um, you know, kind of uncomfortable, insecure about it, didn't have anything really to offer, and I felt very, I had a lot of uh, lack of knowledge. So as I started learning this myself firsthand by working with an advisor, I saw basically how easy the process can be and how painless it can be when you're given the proper guidance. So as once that, then I really wanted to make this something I could help other people with because I felt so good after learning that. So what I talk about basically in my chapter is a few points that, would be important, you know, being engaged and aware, you know, not avoiding the topic of money or your personal situation, you know, don't get your statements and throw it in a drawer somewhere. We joke about that with people um, because they say that that's what they do. Um, and, again, trying to keep things light but keep it to where we keep them focused and directed in a purposeful way. Um, learning another big tip is paying yourself first. I think that's probably one of the most important things if anybody takes away from this. If you commit to paying a little piece of something that you're bringing home every, every paycheck to yourself, then you can accomplish a tremendous amount, but you have to make yourself a priority. Referring to what Jero was talking about, some of your own personal boundaries, self-care. Paying yourself first is self-care because you are building your security, you're building your peace of mind by doing that. Um, also, finding hidden dollars. There's a lot of hidden dollars to be found in our existing spending patterns and budgets, and um, I help people go through a process of, um, you know, looking at places where they can potentially find that. Also, automating. When you automate your savings, it's a lot less painful. You don't have to write a check every month. Make it easy on yourself to accomplish and be successful in your savings goals. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I think that's also a big area where um, some people aren't comfortable in, in asking for help or having that conversation. So I just invite them to be open to changing their thinking on that and having a conversation so that way we can see if there is a way we can be enhancing what they're currently doing 
or bringing some added value. So those are really Wonderful. the top tips that I offer. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Sure. So, Ro, I love this topic, this soulful, gutsy action. <laughs> I just think that's good. <laughs> so what does that mean? Translate that for us. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. I would love to. Basically, you know, Gutsy Gals is all about owning your own feminine, authentic power. And the soulful part is about your values. It's about coming from the heart, coming from, the, you know, the most of the entrepreneurs that I work with are ones that have big service hearts. And their their biggest issue is they don't want to, they feel uncomfortable promoting themselves. They feel uncomfortable if they're going to be salesy and they're going to be this way. So the soulful gutsy gals is all about owning who you are, you know, stepping up to what your gifts and talents are and, and showing it to the world, but showing it in a, in a way that feels good, that feels good to you, that you makes you feel like I could go to sleep at night, makes you feel like I am doing service. So in, in essence, really what it is is getting out of your head and getting into your heart so that you could come from that place of service and and do good work. And, and people need... People need your service, and, you know, I feel that it's, like, again, like I said, it's that moral obligation. There are people that need your service, and it's not fair if you hide it and keep it to yourself because you just feel, you know, yucky because you feel like you're selling. You know, you feel like you're self-promoting, and you're not comfortable with that. So it's about getting comfortable in who you are and showing up, standing up, and speaking your truth. You know, not being afraid to show up authentically as who you are. A lot of times when I speak with a lot of my women um, and my clients when they first start, they, they're really caught up in being what they think others want them to be. And that's what this whole conscious business is about, is that people don't want you to be anything other than who you are. People really want to deal with people who are real. And they don't want to deal with people who are fake. So... In essence, we're defeating ourselves and being a disservice to everyone by not showing up who we are. So that's um, in a long-winded way of what a soulful, gutsy gal is and in taking the action is, is meaning is, you know, don't go from, you know, go from hiding to shining. You know, stand up for, what, for, stand up for who you are and what you believe in. You know, we all have so many gifts and talents, and and sort of what you're you're talking about. Actually, what we're all talking about is being able to put them out and do so fearlessly and proudly, because what we have, somebody else may not have, and we can we can help educate and give people what we you know may come naturally or or what we're interested in or or talented in, and and really help other people out with that who don't need to. I can't sing to save my life, and yet I love listening to other people's music and, and being able to to promote them because I think that music, you know, does supersede all different boundaries and gets and gets to the heart. So we're talking a lot here with everyone about getting to the heart and being authentic and putting out what what's important to you and not, not underselling yourself and also – being community conscious and and building a grassroots community and Joyce, you worked with um, the Safe and Health Advisory Board for it was for New Jersey Public Employee Occupation Safe and Health Advocacy Board. Did you? And I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this or whatever, but but just in a snapshot, what did, what did you find, or you know, was missing or was needed? Well, it's actually it's very interesting, and I, and I do have to um, give kudos to to Governor Christie for uh, appointing me to his Public Employees Occupational Safety and Health Board. But you know, with the desecration of the public employees, we're not talking about health and safety anymore. We're not talking about, and to me, that is about being a conscious business. People have a right to be able to go to work and expect to come home if you're an employee. That's just how it is, and we're not looking at those mechanisms because it's about uh, profits more so than it is about people. People are willing to pay $20,000 for a life if they lose it on the job. That's sad to me. So, uh, I mean, they're all public hearings. You can read the notes, the minutes from any of our, our – uh, but all the time that I talk about it, for example, we created a law in New Jersey 
that says that it's okay for 14 to 17 year olds to work on construction sites. Are you kidding me? I mean, there's Ouch. more deaths on construction sites than anywhere else, but yet, you know, we made this okay. 14 to 17 year olds, yes, they have a purpose. I think everybody needs to learn about volunteerism starting at the earliest level in school, about being community oriented and giving back. But to me, it's about, you know, we can change this. We should be changing this. There's enough beaches, there's enough schools, there's enough property. We don't need 14 to 17 year olds on construction sites, especially showing up in flip flops. No one's minding the store. So it is, again, about being conscious. It's about being responsible. But at the end of the day, it's about your passion. You know, when I interview people to consult with me as a business, um, whether I'm working with them or for them, I mean, there's contracts that I, that I won't take. If you're not uh, integrity and you're not coming from a place of value, you know, we joke about, you know, ethics and integrity and everything in New Jersey. But at the end of the day, it's about who you are and what you're able to do. I'm not selling my soul for anybody, number one. But number two, it's really about what's your passion. I ask people that all the time, and they, they, they look at me and, like, you know, you get the German shepherd, the head tilt. If you don't know what your passion is, at the end of the day, our purpose is all the same, everybody's. Everybody's purpose is all the same at the end of the day. It's about serving the greater good, and how do you do that? People do it every day, and they're not even given credit for it. Everybody is a philanthropist. When we're in a disaster, and even when you're not, who helps you the most? It's usually your neighbor. They're the ones that come to the rescue, and that's what we're talking about. It's about being conscious, being true to you, and to what everybody is saying here. And I love the women that I'm with. I mean, you guys are all, you know, you gals are all awesome. Um, and if I may just make one point, not that I want to put in a plug for anybody, but, but I, I actually did meet Roe through a public safety, I mean, a public speaking association for New Jersey. And it was very interesting because obviously I don't need to be gutsy. I have enough gutsy that, to go around. But what in working with Roe and being, being friends with her, and, I, and I'm thrilled about it, is she did help me to get, so I was with the police department. And, you know, one of the things is you never show fear. You always have to be in control and you always have to be in charge. And I spent more time crying with that woman than I can ever imagine because what she taught me was to say that it's okay to be who I am. It's okay to speak my truth and to know who I am and what I'm about. And it is about that passion. We need to go back to our passion, find what it is, and find a way to get that out there and that message out because the message will be heard as people start to recognize there is a conscious awareness taking place. We know it's happening globally. People are talking about it all the time. Our topic, our subject, needs to get into every businesses. And more importantly, we have over 75% of our businesses in our states are small-owned businesses, women-owned businesses. We need to embrace those. We need to get and, the, you know, that's not back just, into the community. Yeah. Right. That's not just true for New Jersey in terms of small businesses. I mean, and now no, small businesses are on the rise. I have somebody who's been waiting a long time to answer a question, so if you guys are okay with it, I'm going to see if she's still there. Hello, you're on the air? Hello? Oh, this is, Mar- this is Ma- Mary. Hi, Mary. Do you have a question for us today? I have a, a question uh, I, for Joyce. Um, I'm from New Jersey, and I have a a small business. I'm a private diamond and uh, art, fine art consultant, and I'm also regional director for uh, National Patient Advocates Foundation. If you haven't heard of that, they have a constituency of millions, and they represent right. the patient voice nationwide. And Joyce, um, being a conscious business owner, and I thank you all for, for today. I learned a lot, and I have the book. I read it twice because there's so much in there that I need to absorb and and put into action. Um, I have to safeguard, Joyce, my customers' uh, paperwork, my clients' paperwork, my own paperwork. And with Sandy just happening not that long ago, I lost a lot of records. And you talked about 75 pages of uh, filling things out. Is there a quick one, two, three-step guide or something that I can begin now to safeguard my own records and my business records should a disaster hit again. Thank you. Joyce, you want to take that real fast? Otherwise, we can give her your contact information at the end, and she she can do that. But something real quickly. Well, I think quickly that's what we're talking about, right? How do you recreate your life? If you've got 75 different forms, and she's right, just from... The federal level is over 75 forms. Then you come into the state, and they're the exact same forms that you're filling out again. The problem is the information isn't making it down into the people. So, Mary, yes, I would recommend that you recreate everything that you can. 
You take a copy of all of your records, whether you put it on the cloud or wherever, to make sure that it's stored, that it's safe, and share it. Share it with your insurance company. Because then when it comes time to do a claim, you'll have the accurate information and detailed accounting of your businesses, of your home. So thank you for calling in, and thank you, Joanne. Thanks so much, Mary. Have a great day. Okay. So before we have, we still have some time, and it's important to give our listening audience some idea of of why you folks, all of all of these wonderful business owners, a little bit about your background, why you started your business, what was the the stem for you or the passion for you, and um, let's start with Diane. Okay, I briefly touched on mine um, earlier, but basically my passion comes from coming from a place where I didn't know how it felt to feel really confident about my money and how to build wealth, how to grow it, how to how it worked, um, what questions to ask, you know, why why do one thing versus another. And because I actually walked that path myself and didn't like how it felt beforehand and felt such a huge transformation personally after learning um, how I can improve my financial security and my future, um, it really uh, became a huge passion to share it with everybody who I could. And at the time, I was doing um, physical therapy. So I have a master's in physical therapy. I was very proud of that designation. Never expected to be moving out of that particular career and found myself as a result, actually transitioning into doing this as a full-time career, and I haven't looked back. I mean, I, this has been a wonderful blessing to me and um, the people who I work with, and I just love helping other people. And, again, I've always been an educator, so that was a natural transition. Just the topic I was educating on trans, you know, changed, and I think that um, seeing people – benefit from the knowledge that I can provide them and the guidance that I give them and them knowing that they're in good hands and that I truly care about their well-being and the future of them and their family, I think that just comes through in how I interact with the people who I'm helping. Wonderful. Thank you. You know, I have a background in special education, and I moved into initially private practice and then working more with businesses. And the only reason I look back is because a book that I wrote – about 30 years ago was ahead of its time and it was about children with autism and special needs and pioneering a program and finally more heaven because every child is special is out there today but but you're right about you grow you evolve from where you know whatever you start out with and and the statistics show that many people throughout their lifetime are going to have somewhere between 7 and 10 different careers pretty amazing and and different jobs rather so so that's pretty amazing thank you um road what what was your what were your beginnings like and why did you get into doing what you're doing well, my beginnings actually started when i was a young girl because i felt the sting of being the difference of being a girl versus my brother and what he was able to do you know my father wouldn't take me fishing because i was a girl like all these little different things really added up to tick me off. And when I graduated college, and and I was also fortunate to have a mom who worked full-time. She was the only mother in the entire neighborhood that worked. So I had a great, independent, strong um, role model as well growing up. And when it, by the time I graduated high school, I just had this vision, and this was in the 70s, I had this vision that women can do what a man can do. And, and I was just so passionate about it that I, I set out to prove it. And when I, so I got a job on Wall Street, and I had that tunnel vision of that women can do everything that a man can do, and I'm not going to listen to what everybody else is saying. And within within a couple of years, I was one of the, I broke several glass ceilings. I was one of the first VPs. I was the first uh, woman to be to break the boys' club in New York City with the with the regional club, and you know I had all these different things. And it was because I not only did I believe that women can do this, but I also believed that I could do it being a female. 
and I did not have to act like a man or be a man in order to do it. Just think back in the early 80s, women were dressing like men, and everybody was like, oh, these little robots. And I refused. Here I am in Wall Street at E.F. Hutton, a company that everyone's wearing Navy suits, and the girls are wearing these disgusting ties, and I'm, I'm wearing yellow suits and, and pink blouses. And that got me noticed. So... <laughs> It was from there that just propelled me that I started, because I had such success, I became a mentor for women. So I've been mentoring women for 40 years. I wanted to go into coaching and speaking back in the 90s, but I listened, I had some self-doubt, and I listened to the naysayers, and I made that mistake, and, and I didn't do it. So I kept on going to different things, and because of that, I found myself about five years ago at 55 years old being like, what do I want to do when I grow up? Something's missing. I'm not feeling it. I had it by then. I was an entrepreneur for almost 10 years already, but I was just not happy. I was. It was more about I was doing a direct sales business, and I had a, I had a team of 3,000 plus individuals underneath me, and you know had residual income, but I was something was missing. So when I did a lot of the work on who am I, what is my message, what is my purpose. That's when it all came back 360 to what I really wanted to do back in the 90s and back into really being an advocate for women, uh, being a role model for women, being out there. I love helping, you know, teenage women as well. It's it's just a passion of mine. So I, I started what I'm doing now only about three months, three years ago. So, you know, I'm that person that says it's never too late. You're never too old. And, you know, when you find your calling, it's life changes and everything just falls into place and that's when the magic happens. And that's what's happened for me. And right. so I'm just thrilled. Thank you. And Joyce, what about you? What what started you in your in your career and your journey? Well, I think for me it was seriously about being a community based business. I mean I looked at my grandparents that had uh down where Robert Wood Johnson, the cab building is now, there's a there's a metal beam actually with you know, members of the community on the beam, and that used to be the SO, uh, SOS gas station that my grandparents had. And, again, it was, you know, during the Depression. And when it hit, what they did was they gave gas, you know, to the butcher, to the egg man, to the whatever, and in turn we got, you know, eggs, we got meat, and it was the bartering in the community that made a difference. And hearing those stories, obviously I wasn't around, but hearing those stories, you know, at the table really made me recognize and think even then at a young age about what we can do and what we could give. I mean, I think I've always been an entrepreneur. I started with selling cinnamon toothpicks when I realized that that was like a big thing, you know, back in the day. You were able to sell toothpicks. Who knew that that would be a big thing rather than a lemonade stand? And then it went to my parents' business, which was Saggy's Tavern across from St. Ladislaus, and now it's the Robert Wood Johnson Children's Hospital, PSE&G. And, you know, there's a fountain there with kids playing in it. Of course, it's a fake fountain and fake kids. But the point is, is that we're in a different time and age. You're not bound by walls. I mean, as we go forward, businesses aren't going to be confined into into with walls around them. We're doing it now virtually through social media. So to me, it's about being community-based. I mean, I, I, I worked with the homeless shelters under Mayor Koch um, back in the 80s, and it's not looking at people with a color. It's not looking at them from a pedigree as to what their titles are. I think it's just dealing with people from their soul. So that's why when I say it's important to engage, educate, and empower people, I truly believe that. When people say, Joyce, how are you? I say, and I've been saying it for 20 years, I'm always well. Someone's always worse. And I think if we come from that point and look at everybody else, not by who they are or what they are, but what we can give and what we can do to help each other, we're going to start changing the world little by little. We need to, to, to turn this around, and it is about you know coming back to who you are, what's your value, what's your ethics, what's your integrity, and how do we change this and make everybody feel good about who they are? Let's start empowering people. Thank you. You know, I think that we all feel that way, and I, what I'm what I'm getting from all of us is that sense of, of giving back, of being being who you are, of of really sticking to your passion, being able to break through any any barriers to that, and and allowing other people to shine and to bring out their strengths and their and their beauty and. 
a lot of that means letting go from what I'm hearing of you, you know, from you, Joyce, and everybody else, letting go of judgments and preconceptions about other people, whether, like you said, it's based on race or, or income or whatever, and really deciding that we're all we're all one, you know, we're all part of the human race. That's the race that we need to be concerned about. I'm also very concerned about advocating for our environment and animals and, and just making sure that we're here to make everybody thrive. So I want to, we have a few minutes, and, I, and before I ask the final couple of questions, I want to make sure that each one of you give to our listening audience information in terms of how they can connect with you so that if we're cut off, at least they have that, and just you know, where where they can find your books, your resources, and connect with you. So let's start with Diane. Okay, thanks. Um, my email, if they want to reach me, is uh, diane at inspiringwomenfinancially.com. And I'm also on Facebook, which is facebook.com, Inspiring Women Financially. And um, I am offering a complimentary consultation for anybody who would like to have a little phone call to address any questions that they may have. And um, they can also um, inquire about the books um, through the email or the Facebook. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Ro, how about you? How can people get a hold of you? Yes. Hi. Um, A couple of places. One, my website. My website is gutsygalsgetmore.com. So G-U-T-S-Y-G-A-L-S. M-O-R-E dot com. And on there I have a special report, a free report and some audios on gaining confidence and embracing your inner gutsy gal. So everyone is available to do that. And um, my email is my name, so it's R-O-E at rowcouturethesarrow.com. I'm sure the information is on your on your blog, Top Radio. All my all my social media handles are B, a gutsy gal. That's B-E-A- G-U-T-S-Y-G-A-L. So be a gutsy gal. That is my slogan. It's everything I live by is, you know, be a gutsy gal. And um, I am also, if anyone would like to have a free consultation with me on what is your next best move, you know, how to get out of your own way and have a little strategy session on that, I'd be happy to do that. Just send me an email, reach out to me that way, and I'd be happy to oblige. So thank you. Wonderful. Thanks. Joyce, what about you? Well, it's easy to get me. Find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter at Jersey Joyce. Um, it's Jay Saggy at Dara Response, Disaster and Risk Associates Response. Jay Saggy at DaraResponse.com. But the best way to get me, honestly, I ask everybody, and I'm inviting anybody that's listening, to feel free to just give me a call, hit me up, text me, call me, 732-816-0116. I love to talk to people, so I like to connect one-on-one, and that's the best way. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Joanne. My pleasure. I have one last question, and we're going to do it quickly. So the question is, well, it's actually a, a twofold question. What would you tell a person, an entrepreneur starting out in business? What do you think is vital from your perspective that they need to know? And and that's the first part, and let's keep it brief because I'm looking at the clock here. And also, what would you tell a seasoned entrepreneur or a seasoned businesswoman about her next steps? I know it's a long, you know, we could go long-winded with this, but let's cut it short. So let's start with Ro. I would say for a new person starting out is don't get caught up in doing all the free teleclasses and the free webinars and the free trainings that are on the Internet that they can go because what's going to happen is you're going to get so much mixed messages that you're just going to get confused, and a confused mind doesn't do anything. And it just puts you that that deer in the headlights. So watch out for that. You know, be real, real uh, specific on which ones you listen to and and get a good mentor and, you know, obviously work with a coach from the get-go instead of waiting to your seasoned entrepreneur and, and then some of the, many times I get seasoned entrepreneurs that now feel like they need to start all over because they need to I'm going to cut you because we're, we're going to run out of time. Thank you, bro. I'm what done. about Joyce? Thanks. <laughs> Joyce. Uh, very quickly, it's about resources. Um, I think that when you start off, you know, you have to embrace your squirrel. In other words, you're ADD, you're going all over, you're not focused. What are your resources? What are you doing? And rely on the people that know, that have already been there, that have been successful and work with them to get a, a handle on everything, and most importantly, your finances. 
Wonderful. Diane? I would say that briefly, really for both beginners and those who are seasoned is don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, There's a lot of really great resources and people who want to help them. So um, any questions that you have, there, there is somebody that can that can be of help to you and can help point you in the right direction. It'll save you a lot of time. It'll save you a lot of aggravation and heartache. Wonderful. Thanks, everyone. You've all been so wonderful, and you all have such great ideas and resources for not only our listening audience, but for everybody. I think some of the themes that came out was being community conscious, living from your passion, your soul, and being authentic in what you're doing, and don't be afraid to be who you are. So thanks again for sharing all your wisdom, and have a blessed day. Thank Thank you, too. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. And, folks, next week we are going to have somebody, Donald Altman, who is going to talk to you about clearing emotional clutter. And, yes, we all have clutter, and it's not just the clutter that's in your garage or in your basement or whatever. This is the clutter that you're carrying around with. So that's June 1st. If you have missed any one of our incredibly talented experts today you can actually find them on blog talk radio you can also go to my website that's joe that's dr joanne white.com d-r-j-o-a-n-n-e-w-h-i-t-e.com for resources to see out see more about these talented visionaries and authors and remember that each and every day you have the choice and the ability to be the best of who you are you can help Others empower themselves by also empowering yourself. So figure out something to do today that feels good, that's giving back to the community, and that's also giving back to you, and be the powerful person that you were meant to be. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a blessed day wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the Upbeat Show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.